What's up, everybody? This is exciting stuff. Yeah, we're trying something new out here. We're going to do a follow-up podcast on the sermon series here. And we're going to kind of try to put these in between sermons as we go. This is kind of our first trial run, and we mm -hmm. want to talk a little bit because we know we hit some pretty controversial stuff over the last two weeks, especially with Pastor Tim's sex sandbox. Which I have recreated on the whiteboard back here um, just so you could see it again. I didn't put all the fun words inside because that would take too long. But you can see it says oh, Pastor Tim's. You can say Pastor Tim's in there. But that's true. It shouldn't be in your sandbox at home. <laughs> no, no, no. It's Yeah, but it's in my sandbox. I would hope so. Yeah, well, yeah. So it's my wife is in that sandbox too. But that's part of the sandbox, actually. Is yeah. It's just the two of you, and we'll talk about that. Yeah. So let's let's go ahead and um, I think one, one good place to start is uh, two weeks ago, you started the whole thing off by saying the biggest, the greatest casualty in the digital age is our sexuality. You want to hit on that a little more? Right, that? exactly. I think what's, that, what's important is there's nothing wrong with technology as it is. It's a neutral thing. It's a tool. It's a great thing. But what's happened is um, it's had a, all the kinds of terrible effects as well. I mean, it has positive effects, it has negative effects. But because human sexuality is such a core part of who we are, and I don't think we really acknowledge that. I don't think, especially those of us in church, are really honest about that. The Bible says at the very outset, God created the male and female in right. his image. So your maleness, your femaleness is at the core of who you are. And your your ability to connect with the opposite sex is a part of the core journey of the human experience. Right. And I think that's one of the reasons why all the stuff going on right now with transgenderism and everything else what is that telling you? Even just by observation, you're seeing that these things are very core issues for people and they will stop at nothing to try to figure them out. Right. And if you try to say it's not a big deal, then why are we having such a big argument about it? Right. Right. If it's no big deal. But the reason those that are for, for example, transgenderism are saying this is a really big deal. Those against it are saying, no, you can't mess with your, your plumbing and everything else. These aren't just things that people take lightly. They are the core of what it means to be a human. And so sex can't be something that we outsource to just psychologists, psychiatrists, and people that, that have nothing to do even with religion. We have to be able to bring it back in and say, God does want us to talk about this and answer questions. And I think, too, it's important to say as a disclaimer that we are going to even get more adult than we were, at least the plan is in this podcast, yeah, sure. is to go even to more details. Because the, the part of the reason we're doing this is because you had 40 minutes to preach on marriage and intimacy. I had 40 minutes to talk about sex. It wasn't enough time. And so people are coming up to us saying, well, what about this? What about that? And we just didn't get a chance to address those things. So really what you're saying here is if you're listening in, if you're tuning in live or you're listening to this in your car, and there are little ears around, mm -hmm. just be forewarned. We're going to get talking about, you know, that's going to be that PG-13. Maybe line. even like R, but yeah. not bad R. No, no, no. Just R, R. In case, you know, yeah. mothers, you know, to your mother's you may, listening. You know, right. I don't even want my mother to listen. In fact, mom, if you're listening, please just go away for like 20 minutes. We'll talk later. Just give me some time. Yeah, this is weird. Anyway, so go ahead. Let's All right, on. so let's let's talk a little bit about some of the things you, you uh, talked about. What are some of the things that you you felt like you unpacked, but you didn't get to unpack fully? Yeah, I think the first thing is, and people would come up to me afterwards and saying, you need to, you're presenting it like only men struggle with pornography. Mm -hmm. 
And I wasn't really trying to do that. All my, all my examples had to do with men, but clearly I was trying to make the point that females struggle with pornography as well. And it's interesting that a lot of times you see this pattern. You see that men will go into a certain direction in life, and it's like maybe a 10 or 20 year lag before women kind of start following and kind of doing the same thing. I, I think it's much more, it's much less a part of the nature of a woman to be into pornography, but I think because it's so prevalent, and they see it as a way to identify with men, to please men, to satisfy them, that, that they kind of have gotten into it themselves to the point of where they, you know, there isn't any difference. Like to them, it's like, oh, I love this, but I don't think it's, it's much more a male nature kind of thing. I mean, most yeah. women don't go around looking for a naked guy. You know, that's, that's like... It's because the male body is more utilitarian, you know. It's, right. It's not too much to look at. There's a... That's the first slide, Seinfeld. Yeah, joke. that's, that's okay. my first Seinfeld reference. <laughs> But the, uh, you know, there's a comedian that says, uh, really, it's, it's a male problem. He goes, you know, women will say, yeah, well, we're, you know, we struggle with this too. He goes, he goes uh, well, you guys are tourists in the land of sexual perversion because I'm a prisoner. You right. Know? It's like, it's like you're, you're Jane Fonda on the tank, I'm John McCain in the hut. And exactly. I think there's a bit of that, but I do think you're right uh, that, that women have, have kind of followed us into this and then we're kind of seeing the beginning of maybe where things could go. If, if the pendulum doesn't swing back the other way. Right, and so the other thing that came up that I feel like I didn't get a chance to say with the best clarity was the fact that sex is not the, the ultimate experience in life. And so it's almost like for the single people, well, you know, we talked about that and you know, become the right person and then maybe you'll get somebody, but, but it's not so you can achieve the greatest fulfillment in life. The greatest fulfillment, and you touched on it a lot last week and I'm glad you did, is intimacy with God. Because sex is not, and the problem is everybody thinks that it's the greatest thing that you could ever do with your life, which is why, you know, God forbid we should ever tell people, you know, you shouldn't have sex this way, or, you know, only married people should have sex, only heterosexuals should have sex, because it's this idea that, well, how dare you tell someone they can't experience the ultimate? No, no, no. No one ever said you couldn't experience the ultimate, but the ultimate is not sex. The ultimate, and Paul talks about this, is to be fully known by God. And, and, to be, and to know God fully. And that's not going to happen until we get to heaven. Sex is really just a picture of the intimacy that two people can have with each other. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's not, it doesn't even come close to our pursuit of God and really God's pursuit of us. Right. I was, one thing I wish I would have got to hit within that very realm is, is one thing I, I said last week is sex is the expression of intimacy. It's the physical expression of it. And, and one thing that, that I think people forget is they see sex as the end all. So even in marriage, they, they see, I was, I was speaking to somebody who was married after service, and they were saying, you know, you, you're really helping me shape my marriage because I, I thought that sex is just something that's supposed to happen, mm -hmm. not that it's the result of this intimacy and this relationship. So there's a lot of guys out there like, well, the sex isn't happening. It's like, well, what about the, the intimacy? Because if the intimacy is happening, the, the sex will, will follow kind of thing. And, and they really kind of flip things on their head, you know, like, no, that's a natural outworking of a great relationship. Exactly. Expressing that. Exactly. And I think the other, so to keep that moving, you know, we talked about specifically, and we have Pastor Tim's sex sandbox, and we basically said there's four things. Within these, this square, there's four things. You have the fact that we're both married. You know, we're married to each other. And that's number one. Number two is, is um, it's just the two of us. We're not bringing in images. We're not, we're not broadcasting. We're not doing, you know, we're not doing swinger stuff. We're not doing any of that craziness. 
which is just between the two of us, okay? Right. And we don't tell people what we're doing. Um, just like going to the bathroom, you know, you know, it's kind of a, it's, it's very um, gross or whatever to go out and say, hey, check out what I did in the bathroom. Like, nobody wants that. Unless you're like, you know, 12 or whatever, and you're a dude and, you know. Yeah, all the jokes are about yeah. farts and whatever. Right. Yeah. But, but normally, like, adults just go, yeah. yeah, or you're 30, and, you know. <laughs> you're, you're in still a men's group, and they still talk about it. But I digress. But the point is, is you're, you're st <laughs> but it's supposed to be between the two of you. The third thing was, it's, it's not destructive to body or soul. And the last thing is that we're both good with it. So there isn't one partner that's going, or one spouse is going, well, you know, I really want you to do this and making the other person, you know, violate their conscience because they won't, you know, dress up like Batman or whatever else. So can you give us those four again real quick? Yes. One, two, three, yes. Um, we're married. It's just the two of us. It's not destructive to body or soul. And we're both good with it. And so we talked about examples in there. And then there's people are coming to me and they're saying, well, what about this? What about that? So what does that include? You know, so for example, like someone came up and said, well, what about role playing? You know, and I said, hey, look, if, if, if you want to, if she wants to dress up like the maid, that's fine with me. Just don't get a real maid. You know what I'm saying? Or unless she is a maid by trade. But don't bring in another maid. You want to dress up like, the, like a maid, dress up like a maid, but don't be another person. Yeah, that's that's probably the line, right? Yeah, she's no longer her. She's pretending to be somebody. She's else. pretending to be another person in their life, or whatever. I think that's where you cross the line. It's it's no longer about the two of us now. We brought in this other person, but you know what I'm saying. So so I think in that sense, yeah, that's that's probably fine if you want to do that. Um, and I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. The other thing is, um, you know, what about sex toys? And again, you know, I tell you, told you, we have little ears listening. You're gonna want to turn this down. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that either, but again, it goes back to the, the not destructive to body or soul. I mean, if, if you can't have a good sexual experience without strapping your spouse to some kind of medieval torture device, yeah, it's probably, you, you it probably, should raise some flags. It should raise some flags. It really should. And I think that, that the issue, and you talked about this too, is, is what does it take? If you need that in order to be sexually fulfilled, like, like, I can't really experience sexual satisfaction unless I'm doing this kind of thing. I think that's a problem. I think that should be a red flag, as you said. Like, maybe there's, maybe there's an intimacy that I'm missing, and I'm trying to fill it with this, this, you know, expeditious kind of thing. Yeah, I've got to be something else. I've got to, because we're not enough. Exactly. You've know, got, got to balance those things out. Exactly. And that's why even, like, with the role-playing thing, again, I think, and I'm just trying to answer people's questions. I think, it, you know, that's fine. It can be fun. But... It, it's with something that, again, starts to make you different and say, I know this is no longer about us anymore. That's the line. Right. Um, the other thing, quite frankly, you know, that comes up is like, what about different, and because people don't know this. We think, you know, we talk a lot offline and we just assume that people know these things about us. Right. That we, you know, or, that, or that, that they know that, well, what we think about these things. But if we're gonna really be pastoral and talk about, you know, how do we help instruct people, you know, we talk about sexual positions. Well, you know, the old missionary position, which I don't even know how it got the name missionary position. Well, you know, is that the only position that Christians should do? Um, and I think the answer to that is no. Um, it's not the only position. Um, but, you know, I think, I think you, again, can explore, you can have fun, all that kind of stuff. But it goes back to the destructive to body or soul. So even when people talk about, you know, um, again, expeditious kind of thing, expeditionary kinds of positions, or even like anal sex. Um, I think something like that, you know, you do, you do get into that line of body and soul being potentially damaged right. there. And there was a lot of reports that I was reading 
that are saying that because of the rise of pornography, there are a lot of women who are, who are getting physically injured because of anal sex kind of stuff. So I think, I think that's something that, look, that's just what the evidence shows. So I think it's like, again, we got to use these parts kind of like the way that they were designed. And I think if we start going off the reservation, and again, there's, again, there's nothing like, like a hard and fast rule, like there's no way ever, ever, ever. But I just kind of think, again, if it takes those kinds of things um, constantly, I'm just not sure that that's, a, that's wise in the final analysis of it all. Right, right. I think there's, there's a lot of important things you touched on there. One thing that I wish I would have got to talk more about is, okay, so intimacy, the natural expression of it is the physical expression of it between a man and a woman is sex. But let's talk a little bit about, because you, you have that boundary of being married, the roles of marriage and how that plays into all this too. So, so maybe you're like uh, Corinthians 7, do not deprive each other. Yeah. Um, that's, I, I think that's more, you know, Paul's giving us a very clear example of don't deprive each other because it's going to lead to very dangerous places. Mm -hmm. um, and speaking sexually there, but I think it's also talking int intimacy, you know, that, because I think in the Bible, sex and intimacy are connected. They're, yes. they're, they weren't meant to be separated out. So I think today we separate it out. So, so somebody go, well, you're depriving me of sex and, and then not realizing that they've starved the other person of intimacy, realizing that, that you know, it's, it's both things. You need both of those things. Mm -hmm. You do. And the, the, the challenge is I think a lot of women don't realize how important the, the actual sexual physical act of intimacy is for a man in terms of not just, you know, because he physically got off or whatever, but because that's his way of connecting right. with his wife. But it's also, when we talked about this in preparing for these messages, it's not just, oh, okay, well, honey, I'm just going to lay here and, you know, let you do your thing. The, the man wants to, to feel like he basically made an impact on the woman. Yeah. Like he was able to take her to that place. Like he was able, like she actually enjoyed it. Yeah. It doesn't help his manliness. It doesn't help even, or even forgetting that, even a sense of intimacy. It doesn't connect. I would say this. It doesn't connect him any more to her to just simply do the act with her. Yeah. If she, it's clear that she's just, you know, kind of hanging out and just letting him do his thing. And right. she's not emotionally and physically into it. Yeah, that's, that's actually going to have a, a counter. That's going to be yes. negative. That's going to hurt him even more. Like, man, I really, I can't connect with anybody. Right. And that's, that's going to send him off the other direction. And that being said, the other side of that, too, if you're a man and you're going, well, why don't I have this? You might need to ask the question, how intimate am I being here? I, I, I heard somebody once say, as a counselor, she, she, she said that uh, men want women to bear their body. That's how they connect. Physically, it's not a bad thing. You know, we've turned it into this perverse thing, but that's his level of intimacy, where women want men to bear their souls. Mm -hmm. So you have to be meeting each other where you're at, and you have to be connecting. Then those things really work and become really awesome. Absolutely, and I think a lot of men make the mistake. You know, if they're demanding about it, well, you're you're my wife. You should be doing this. But they're not bearing their souls, and, and the wife feels like I don't know what's going on with right. this guy. I feel like I'm not emotionally connected with him. You know, um, I heard a guy say one time that, that women, um, men try love to get sex and women try sex to get love. And okay. it's really what you're talking about. And that love there is that intimacy. We'll, you know, we'll try, I'll, I'll do this for him so maybe he'll talk to me kind of a thing. Or maybe right. he'll be able to share his soul. It's so much easier for both of you if you're able to, rather than just thinking, how do I get my own, need, my own needs met through this person? 
how do I meet their needs, right? That's that's the whole key to the whole thing. So yeah, one thing I, I really want to touch and we talked about in preparation was that, that uh, Ephesians 5 aspect, mm -hmm. which the moment you bring it up, I'm sure uh, there are women listening right now that they're like, oh, here we go. Now here comes the, I got to submit kind of thing. But I really in my study was, was going, you know what? Let's just focus on what, what, what I have to do here. It says, men, you're supposed to love your women as Christ loved the church. Submission won't make any sense without that other piece. It's tempered by sacrifice. They won't want to submit to you if there's nothing worth submitting to. Right. So if, if that's a struggle, you know, you got to balance those out. you got to make sure you're doing your job. Um, men, you got to figure out how do you sacrifice, which is how do I put my needs in front of her needs? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, the other way. How do I put her needs in front of my mm -hmm. needs? Mm -hmm. So so in this, let's, let's give a very raw, very uh, pointed example. Let's say you're a husband and you approach your wife and you're like, hey, you know, you're trying to get things going. You're like, I, I, I want to have sex. She rejects you. This is an opportunity for you to put your needs aside and go, well, what are her needs in this moment? And this could be an opportunity for you to worship in that and to flip things around in that sense. Because there may be a reason why she's not open yet. There may be a reason why there is no submission there. I'm not saying that's always the case, but that could yeah. be a case there. I think so. And I, I think that, that that's really important because it goes back even in those times to the own, my own personal discipline. And that's what we were trying to say before too. Like, I need to learn how to be sexually disciplined. In, in even as a married person, because because it, it with discipline with everything in life, you know, if if I'm letting my desires control me, I become irritable. I become I, I let it, you know, and I want to do this and I don't get my way. So basically, I act like a five year old, and and that only makes things worse. But it helps so much to say there's going to be times in your life where where one person is going to want to do it and the other person isn't going to want to do it. And, and, if, and if that person is, that's the breaking point because, well, you know, last Tuesday you didn't want to have sex, so I went and binge watched a bunch of porn. Right. You know what I mean? That's not an acceptable um, act, activity. It's, that's not an acceptable excuse because one night you didn't want to do something. Yeah. You know, you have to say there are seasons. And I'll tell you, you know, and the last thing I want to do is get personal but uh, with my wife and I, but I know that for us, you know, and I can make jokes sometimes like, you know, hey, because I want to portray the fact that my wife and I have a good marriage, and we do. Right. And a lot of times people think that pastors, you know, are really um, conservative or, you know, they probably just had sex to have children. Like, no, sorry. Um, got a different story for you there. But but we still have seasons. And, and, and being married for 18 years almost now, you start to recognize, you know what, there's some seasons that are like, man, this is like really awesome. And there's other seasons you go, okay, well hasn't been there as much, but when we look at our life, it's because of, you know, time issues and kids issues and maybe like one person is sick or, you know, there's emotional stuff sometimes. And it's like, that's okay as opposed to, oh my gosh, it's never going to happen again. You, you, you continue to meet the other person's needs in those seasons sometimes. Right. I think that's just a mature way to look as opposed to, well, you're, you're my wife, you're supposed to do this for me. At the same time, however, I got to be honest with you. Like if I, if I meet a woman, and, and I've had women come up to me and they'll say, well, you know, my husband hasn't wanted to have sex with me for like nine months. Unless he's had a, some kind of like medical procedure or something, um, or unless there's some other kind of medical factor there. If he's a normal guy, there's something deeply wrong there. Yeah. Um, and, and that's just, it's just the way that it, that it goes. 
Or if a woman says, well, I don't really want to have sex with them anymore. It's not really my job to have sex with them. I go, I go back to the whole thing of why we get married. Again, you talk about separating sex from marriage. And we talk about this, how da damaging that is. Yeah. One of the reasons we are supposed to get married is so we can have sex. That's one of the reasons. I mean, I love my wife, but if I just had sex outside of marriage with her, I would have been less inclined to marry her. Bottom line, I would have said, why don't I just ride this out for like four or five years, see if it works. Because if it doesn't, I don't want to waste my life with this one person. No, I said, I, I said, no, that I want to marry her. I'm a little bit scared. You know, obviously we get scared to make those commitments, but one of the driving factors is if I marry her, I get to have sex. What is wrong with that as a major component right. driving that decision? Right. Yeah, marriage, sex, intimacy, those things were never meant to be detached from each other. Those are those are three things that need to exist together. I think there was there was one thing you touched upon there that I wanted to hit again. Um, it's, it's escaping me right now. Well, while you're thinking of it, I want to say if you're if you're tuning into this um, and you want to text a, or not text, but write in a question, um, you can you can uh, just write in the comments section. You can just write in a question, and I think we should be able to see it and we can address it. Otherwise. We're not going to take too much longer on this. Sure. But um, was there anything in particular that you, from preaching last Sunday, that you um, wanted to hit on? There was a couple things. I, I really wanted to hit that, um, the, the ideal that, that the greatest intimacy you can have is with God. I mean, that, that's so vital. I had people coming up to me afterwards. Um, you know, the this, this single person's not messing out. You, you, we had mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, you had mm -hmm. read Wayne Grudem's book. The gift of celibacy is something that's in the Bible that is very important. Not saying that if you're single, that's your gift. Right. But, you know, maybe you're, it's not the time or whatever. But sex is not the end-all everything. Mm -hmm. Your needs can be met through your connection with God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's really important because the single people always get hosed in a message like this. Right. And, and I hate that because there's nothing. And people, and I've seen stuff on Facebook and, you know, does the church communicate? subtly that being single is bad. Um, if it does, it shouldn't, because Jesus yeah. was single. Um, and there's all kinds of amazing people who've lived who are single. Right there in Corinthians 7, the verse that says don't deprive each other, it actually starts off by saying, if you can remain single, you should. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, there's there's a balance there too. Part of that was cultural. Part of that's cultural and, and the season of what he was they were trying to accomplish as a as a church. Yeah. But I think I think there is some legitimacy to that. I mean when you're a single person, you can really focus on God differently than you can as a married person. Yeah, and it's tough because I think you're if you're single, there's opportunities that you have to be able to, like you said, to focus on God or focus on your own sense of calling. You really are divided. You know, for me, one of the reasons why I wanted to get married um, and get married to my wife was because I, I wanted to have that divided life. I wanted to be able to worship God and praise God through raising children and through having a family and all that kind of stuff. And we have to balance, too. It's really important. We have to balance 1 Corinthians 7 with saying, you know, it's better for you to remain single as I am right. um, or whatever. Hey, however he says that, or if you can do it, remain single. But you also have to look at then Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah chapter 29, in that verse, area verses 5 through 7, says, give your daughters in marriage and that sort of right. thing. So there's an idea of, of, and of course we have Genesis. Um, right at the beginning. Right at the beginning. Be fruitful and multiply. That's a command. Yeah, it's a command. It's the first command we've ever, are, are ever given. It's the only one we've been good at. And it's the only one, well, yeah. <laughs> as, I mean, a, as a humanity. Right. Yeah, I mean, we've been good at it too, I guess. Yeah. But um, in any case, so... So the, the but the point is though about single about being single, 
that, that that is not something that the church should look down upon. Um, and it, it, it's hard to call it a gift, too, because, well, you know, as a, the person that's single goes, well, it doesn't feel like a gift, you know? So it's hard to call it that. Yeah, but I, I do, yeah. I do, all I was going to say is, I do think that um, we don't give enough credence to say, and say, you're not out of the will of God if you choose to remain single. Right. And, and there, there are, um, and that's what I love about what Grudem writes in that um, um, biblical uh, sexuality book. Um, and I can't remember the name of it. I should have brought it. But he has a, they have, um, it's John Piper as well. They have a whole chapter at the beginning just devoted to single people who have, yeah, they, they, they did it. It's been hard, but it's also been good. Right. And that's the thing, that's the thing that people don't get. It's, and then I'm talking about single people that will get in a relationship and, you know, live with somebody. I mean, single people who are Christians saying, I am just never going to have sex with anybody. Yeah, and I feel fine doing that. That to me is a gift. The gift, the gift isn't circumstances that you're put into. Yeah. It's the person who's going, you know, I feel pretty content. I don't struggle with these things. That would be a gift from God. And they still will have a sex drive. Sure. They still will like go, man, what am I doing? I think at times. But, but, the, but overwhelmingly, they'll say, you know, this is the better life for me. And I don't think we should put that down. Um, yeah, there was one thing that I said in my message. I said, if, if we're saying that you can't be a complete person, you can't be completely fulfilled um, mm-hmm. unless you're married, we've really added to the gospel there. Yes. Because it's no longer the cross. It's the cross plus your soulmate. And we need right. to make sure that we don't we don't do that, and that's a message that gets communicated mm-hmm. inadvertently through the church a lot. Yeah, you're you're not half a person because you're not married. Right. No, you're a whole person, and and really, you know, like we said, you know, Jesus Himself was single. He didn't. He didn't. He was the. He was the. And by the way, he was the fullness of humanity. Right. He was the fullness of the deity and the fullness of humanity. He didn't need to get married in order to become the fullness of all that he could be. So anyway, other than that, yeah, I think we're, um, we've covered a lot of stuff. And again, yeah. we got into some of those, those touchy subjects, but I think that um, is important to, to clarify that stuff because I think you open this up, it's like a Pandora's box of, of so many things. But the main thing is, I think if we had any kind of theme is, is when, you, it, when you're married and it comes to sex and it can, of course, the digital age and all that kind of stuff, is, is just love the other person. If you're looking at something on, the, on your phone that you shouldn't be looking at, right. You gotta ask yourself, would I want my wife looking at the like would would I want her looking at the same thing if it were flipped around? You know what I mean? Even though it's like kind of not always the same, so to speak. And one thing that I wish I would have said in my intimacy, you know, I, I defined as uh, to know and be known, right? It's this mm-hmm. and it's this pursuit. It's being vulnerable, it's pursuing, and it's this commitment to acceptance. Now the digital age has these distractions. That's the that's the enemy of intentionality. And intimacy takes intentionality. You have to pay the rent every day. So there are other things that are more subtle. Maybe you don't look at pornography on your phone. Maybe you're not like scrolling down Facebook. Maybe you can't stop answering emails or stop, you know, like if, if you can't devote your attention to your spouse, that's probably a, a uh, part where intimacy is lacking. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think that's basically, yeah, covered a lot of ground there. And we want to do these more often because I feel like, you know, I feel like we get 40 minutes um, a week with people sure. at Compass. And they're not, obviously everyone's there every Sunday. And so it's not really that much time to, to actually unlock everything that God has to say. Because the Bible gives us all this timeless stuff, but then the way we apply it is countless. And it's going to change with time. It's going to change with technology. That's why we're doing this series right now. 
Yeah. You know? And it, we just want to invite people more into the to the godly conversation. Right. Because I don't I don't know if everybody has the opportunities. You know, we, we have meetings and things like that where we're just kinda in it all the time, but some people don't have that opportunity. So this is kind of your opportunity if you're listening in to just engage in the conversation. Yep. To dwell in these things. So compasschurchaz.com, um, you can listen or watch either one of the, the sermons that we just did, and then we'll hopefully upla- upload this thing pretty soon. Yeah. And uh, it'll be good. So there we go. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.